Camille, one of the first stories I remember us talking about on this segment was uh, the story of John Mulwa, um, who was being threatened with deportation. Uh, to remind us of John's story. Yes. So John Mulwa was a Kenyan refugee uh, who came to Canada. Uh, at the time when we wrote the story, he had been living in Hamilton for eight years. And he fled Kenya um, under threat of violence uh, from land disputes, which led to his father's land being set on fire um, and him being threatened by people who were trying to uh, basically get his family land. Uh, I can talk more about uh, the the wider issue of that um, in places like Kenya and and other countries as well. Um, Fled Canada, fled Kenya, sorry, came to Canada, and he's a chef. And over the eight years, he actually became locally famous in Hamilton as the first person to grow white corn, which is native to Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been someone who has really, um, wanna, you know, lived the multiculturalism, um, you know, uh, principle that, that we uh, rest on here in Canada, that we're proud of here in Canada, um, as someone who introduces um, you know, African foods to uh, Canadian farmers who teaches them about how to grow crops from Kenya, who cooks for the community free of charge, who throws community barbecues, who supports other refugees who come to Canada. Um, just an all around great human yeah. being um, who is lauded um, by the community in Hamilton um, and elsewhere in Canada. So sounds um, sounds like a great guy. <laughs> You know, yeah. sounds like a guy that anybody would want in their community, in their city. But then he was threatened with deportation. Mm-hmm. So and, you know, Leakum, who is the author of the, of the three articles that yeah. we did uh, on John over the last couple of months, what he really pointed to in that article, which was so interesting, was uh, one of the many interesting things, really, was the randomness of um, the, 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 the process here in Canada when you, when you file uh, for refugee status or just the immigration process as a whole. Um, he had been here for eight years. And then, you know, in that, and, and this is the story of so many yeah. refugees in Canada, Maggie, who they come here and they're here for many years. They build a life here. And then out of the blue, one day they get a call um, or an email or a message saying, hey, you know what? Actually, your application is not accepted. We refuse your application and you've got like 48 hours to leave wow. or you've got two months to leave. Pack up your stuff and go. And that's exactly what happened to John. How long was John here for before he got that deportation note? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. again, that's okay. you, like, yeah, that's a long time. You think about your child, you know, a child being born right. eight years, like you're in grade two or three. Exactly. Like that's... I, I, that's a long time. I heard from other refugees because, you know, they were when that story came out, they started messaging us. And I heard from people who in that time had kids born here, yeah. have kids registered in school. And now all of a sudden you face the unthinkable of having to either be separated from your child or to uproot your child from the only Canadian life they've known and take, take them to a place where your life is in danger. Wow. So I, I remember you sharing that story. And when we heard last about John, he was being ordered to go to Pearson, I think literally the next day after we yeah. had spoken. It was. What happened? Well, he, his lawyer, and he also, by the way, credits the help of NDP um, uh, representative in Hamilton, Matthew Green, mm. uh, for advocating on his behalf mm-hmm. and other um, uh, community members as well. 
um, he was granted an extension on his refugee claim. Um, so he was given 18 months to two years uh, of an extension. So we did another article on that saying, great, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, the, in fact, the last part of the article, he said, well, now I got to do what I got to do to prove to the Canadian government um, that my application is legit, because basically that's what they were claiming. They're like, you need to prove to us that there is violence there and that your life is in danger. And he was like, how do you expect me to go to the very people who are threatening my life to get proof from them that they want to kill me? Like you're asking me for the impossible. How about just opening up a paper, a newspaper, and just seeing what's happening in that country right now? So this is the bigger issue, Maggie. And the bigger issue is that our Canada's grounds for refugee claim and status are really outdated mm. and they don't take into account the, like something like climate refugees. Yeah. So in a place and in, in, in short, we could talk about this for a long time, but yeah. in the short space we have, Maggie, what I'll, and, and to simplify it for our listeners, is that in places like Kenya, what is happening is that la- arable land, land that you can grow stuff on successfully, is dwindling because of climate change and because of environmental harm from mining industries yeah. like Barrick Gold in Canada. Yeah. Canada holds almost $40 billion of mining assets in Africa, including Kenya. Yeah. And so you have this environmental, environmental damage from big companies. Then you have climate change that is desertifying land in places like Kenya. And so now you have farmers, pastoralists, tribes fighting over, violently fighting over and clashing over land because the land is all they have in order to sustain themselves. And so that's what happened to John's family. His parents were farmers. People came and were like, no, we need this land. We're taking it from you. And then you have these violent clashes. So we have no capability to, or or willingness rather, to uh, update and account for the many different reasons that people flee countries. And it it was very telling in the comments, Maggie, because when we posted the story, a lot of people were like, Kenya, Kenya, there's nothing going on in Kenya. Um, why would he be fleeing from Kenya? Is this story even legit? People, the average person is also questioning, yeah. right? And so you could, one could argue, the, there's a lot, and, and which Leakum did argue in the article, is that it's average people also who are making these decisions. Right. It's like customs officers, border officers, right? Who are just maybe not as informed um, as you and I, and they're having the same, using the same stereotypes that people in the comments were. They're like, well... There's no terrorism there. There's no you know, active war there. You, you'll be fine. So, I mean, and this happens in Zimbabwe. I mean, the list goes mm-hmm. on and on and on of mining that has left people desolate and, you know, homeless and, again, ravaged, having to flee, all of the things. Again, we, yes, we could go through all of that. So mm-hmm. at this point now, where does John sit and, wh- and what happens? Yeah. So last week, I opened up our Instagram and get a message from John that I kid you not, (laughs) had me burst into tears. Yeah. Because he messaged saying, thank you for all your coverage by Blacks. I got permanent residence. Yay. (laughs) I was like, what? And the only reason I'm emotional, Maggie, is because honestly, First of all, we're unabashed at By Black that our journalism is baked on advocacy. Mm-hmm. We have no qualms about saying that we write these types of articles in hopes of actually making change. And if I would like to think that 
somebody somewhere in government read that uh, amazing article where Lekem laid out um, simply an easy, an easy to understand way what these issues are and thought, hey, maybe we should take a second look at this. Um, and this type of journalism can be so punishing because it's very often that you write these things, you put all your effort into it and nothing happens and you don't expect anything to happen. Mm-hmm. And he said that he put in the application for, um, for the extension. He got it back saying, yep, okay, great. We're giving you the extension. Can you also send us your fingerprints? Mm-hmm. He did that. And then three days later, they just message him again, randomly. Yeah. Right? There's no like, you know, cure and cause for this. Right. They just said, oh, actually, you know what? We're giving you permanent residence. Love it. I love it. So love- just as easily as it can be taken away, can be given. Yes. Right. Which also I want really to underscore the issue of like how random these processes are. And we really need to be accountable for that and take a second look at how we assess these claims. We but have to- in the meantime. We are just so celebrated yeah. for him. But we need to remember there are thousands more John was in Canada who deserve to be here as well. Yes. Thank you so much, Camille, for your time and your advocacy and also the power of voice and the power of media. You are doing good work. Thank you. Thank you, Maggie. That was Camille Dunnas. She is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Canada's leading Black Canadian online magazine, buyblacks.com. You can find our segment with her at the end of every month. Love chatting with Camille and hearing what is happening on their website.